Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Dan Gunsberg, the co-founder and CEO of HXRO. HXRO is a cryptocurrency platform that offers perpetual time-based digital derivatives products. HXRO offers a simplified way to interact with the market, giving traders an alternative way to express a view on price, hedge risk, and trade digital assets. This is a great, great show. Dan has a lot of experience prior in trading and derivatives. We talk about his history uh, in Chicago on the trading floors and how there are periods in a trader's life and a day where you can be very busy. And then apparently, and I did not know this, there are times in the day where you can be very not busy and they typically play games and they try to keep themselves active. And a lot of that game theoretic and a lot of those activities kind of fed into this. So HXRO is a very special platform that brings finance and this idea of gaming together. And so it's really an interesting platform. Dan and his team have a lot of experience. We talk about HXRO and how it works and why people are starting to really take a look at it and use it and play on it, if you will. Um, and so remember, nothing on Layer is investment advice. So please do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear a great conversation with Dan Gunsberg, the CEO and co-founder of HXRO. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Layer. I have Dan Gunsberg with me today, the CEO and co-founder of HXRO. Dan, how are you? Doing well, David. Thanks for having me on today. So this is going to be exciting. Um, we're going to learn a lot about what HXRO is doing. Um, for those, if they want to just quickly get a glance, is a cryptocurrency platform that offers perpetual time-based digital derivative products. And Dan will break that down for us for those that are more layman and are not spending our days and hours and weeks in digital assets. He'll tell us all what he's doing there and why people are starting to pay a lot of attention to it. But if you could, um, I know you have a back background in more traditional finance before you got into digital assets. And we really love having people talk about that moment where you had some clarity that digital assets were going to be a thing and that you had to build something to support it. So give us a little bit of a background about yourself um, and then talk about that moment and what happened there. Sure. So my background has been in uh, financial markets. Uh, I started actually working on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade in um, during my summers home from, from college and eventually became a floor trader. Um, I went and started trading electronically very early. I was mostly focused trading uh, interest rate products. And um, that eventually evolved into trading equities during the internet boom, which um, obviously when you, you know, kind of parallel, when you look at uh, a, a parallel time to what happened uh, with, Cryptocurrency, it's uh, there's a lot of similarities there. So um, did that, and um, in 2013, uh, I was um, working at a proprietary trading firm um, as an executive and uh, running a running a group there. And I ended up uh, hiring a trader whose uh, brother actually was working for Ripple Labs, mm-hmm. and he started telling me about cryptocurrency. Um, at which point I knew nothing about. Uh, I went back to Chicago, talked with a colleague of mine who it turned out had been trading them for uh, for a couple of years and was um, actually had started um, 
investing in Bitcoin very early. And he spent uh, a lot of time with me, um, luckily, uh, educating me on what, um, you know, just everything front to back from the, the, the technical side of it, the fundamental side of it. And uh, as I researched it, it became, you know, obviously kind of went down the wormhole, like, like most people who are, uh, you know, actively involved in it um, do. And uh, I ended up um, watching the markets and, you know, coincidentally, like just after I started learning about it, Mt. Gox happened. Mm. Um, and so the, the market uh, for Bitcoin was, was definitely tanking. Um, my, my normal business, my regular business, which was legacy derivatives, uh, you know, kind of took me away from the, from the crypto market. I had not put any money into it at the time. Um, I kind of forgot about it. I went back to it in, uh, 2015 and, um, sure enough, uh, Bitcoin was, you know, trading in the low hundreds of dollars at the time. And, uh, I ended up looking at a chart of it. I was watching it trade on GDAX. I said, you know, this kind of trades very similar to how, um, you know, some internet stocks were trading mm-hmm. and uh, in terms of the volatility, but then also just the, the general market structure and the fragmentation between exchanges and everything that was there. And uh, I ended up uh, opening an account at Coinbase and uh, purchasing uh, my first slug of Bitcoin and uh, the rest is history. And so in 2017, end of 2017, I ended up leaving uh, that firm and going to crypto full time. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2018, uh, my partner, Rob Levy, and I um, were trading crypto markets full time. Um, and while we were trading, we were sitting there, you know, kind of watching and thinking about what um, what was going on in the markets. And we started to see more and more uh, people pop up on you know social media talking about getting rinsed on uh, on exchanges like BitMEX. Right. And, you know, and. Rob, Rob's got a, uh, a deep uh, derivatives trading background as well. He was a market maker for, for many years. And um, we just, we couldn't believe what we were seeing that, you know, you get people coming onto, uh, into crypto uh, and, you know, they buy a little Bitcoin, the market starts to go down because, you know, obviously 2018, we started to get that, the, the beginning of the bear market. And, uh, you know, people had positions that were once worth many dollars, you know, were worth a lot of money. And, then they eventually started to be worth less and less. Most people would get desperate. They end up taking some of the dust they have. They put it on BitMEX. They 50x lever it or 100x lever it. And next thing you know, they're gone. And then they have a bad taste in their mouth about crypto. And so that got us talking a lot about like what, you know, what we could do potentially. And you know, we were in a bear market, and, um, which is a great time to be building. And uh, you know, could we do something that delivered a much better user experience for for uh, traders you know whether they're newer to the um, to trading or to just the crypto space or they're more sophisticated advanced uh, and experienced traders but something that would kind of soften some of the edges that uh, you know a, a legacy derivatives or even a, a legacy crypto derivatives market would give which is you know which can be very rewarding to some people but also can be extremely unfriendly Hmm. Um, and so we thought a lot about, well, you know, taking some aspects from social games, social gaming, applying it to financial markets. And it, it kind of drew a parallel for us in that when you were in this trading pit, one of the great things about it was actually the, the excitement and the rush that you got 
and also kind of the camaraderie. Um, and, and even around that, you, it's kind of like a, being at war in a way. I, you know, I, I'm not a, I was never in the armed forces, so I really can't draw a perfect parallel onto it. But in the way that what I do understand is there's a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. And then you have these periods of wild chaos. And in that downtime, there's a lot of fun things that happen. And, you know, in the, in the trading pits, they, were, they would do things like, you know, they, everyone would put $20 in a garbage bag and you'd have $100,000 in there and they'd pull one name out of it, you know, one, one bill out of there and somebody would win the whole thing. Or you would have um, just people that were kind of wagering on, on anything because they were bored. Right. And, um, you know, being in a bear market, we kind of said, well, let's, let's create a product um, that people can, you know, be very easy to understand, simple to access, simple to, to play. And uh, that's ultimately what became Moon Wrecked. We, we, uh, we created that product essentially from a, it's a cash or nothing digital option that has a paramutual payoff function to it. Mm-hmm. And um, we put a little bit of our own money in. We raised a little bit of money. We built an MVP. We launched it in January of uh, 2019, and um, you know had really positive feedback very early on, and right. uh, have been building it ever since. So let's for those that are, as I said, less sophisticated. Obviously, institutional investors and family offices that listen to the show are fairly sophisticated investors. So I don't want to give them, you know, too much of a a knock here, but let's just talk about this as it relates to digital assets. A institutional investor goes onto the platform and is basically saying, first and foremost, by the way, when you go there, it's going to look incredibly cool. Um, for someone that is a gamer like myself back in the day, not an avid RPG type of gamer, but, but for someone who appreciates the aesthetic. I love it because the colors are cool. It feels vibrant and fresh. But let's just say, let's let's imagine someone's going there and they're going there just because they're listening to this show. First and foremost, why are they going there? What is the purpose of them going there? And then secondly, how do they get started? Sure. So uh, th- they're going there. You know, it, it depends on the spectrum. If, it, if it's somebody that's more sophisticated, they're going there because there's, there's a, a unique offering of liquidity there. It's another touch point in the, in the crypto derivatives market that is unique to what you're seeing on a regular basis. So normally right now you're seeing either uh, perp swaps, um, some derivative of perp swaps, or you're seeing now uh, a lot, uh, there's kind of the rise of the vanilla option, which are by no means, you know, to most people vanilla, they're actually quite complex. They just call them vanilla because they're standardized. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, more sophisticated person is going to go there, and what they're what they're seeing is they're they're looking to tap this liquidity that uh, is peer versus peer. There's there's no market maker. It's not a double auction market. It's a paramutual market, meaning that all of the the positions in a con, in a contract go to um, a central pool, and then the in the money positions at expiration split the pool pro rata based on their position size, and so. Um, what that offers is it offers people a, a unique way to, to, to take a view or to hedge um, on, on the market, on the underlier. And mm-hmm. so the, the flagship product for us right now is the underlier is Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we use an independent index. By the way, just, uh, just as a disclaimer, it is prohibited 
uh, from uh, being accessed by uh, U.S. persons uh, at this point. Important so, to notice, yes. Yeah, and some other uh, restricted jurisdictions as well. Um, so they will access that liquidity, and it's a very easy way for them to take a view um, without having to be precise on things like, you know, uh, order like your your entries and exits. It's just saying, you know, will the will the price of the underlier uh, at the close of the discrete time period that you have the position on in, um, will it be higher or lower than the strike price? Mm-hmm. The strike price is decided uh, based on the close of the of the previous time frame. So if you're if you're doing this in a one hour time frame. It'll take the close of the previous time frame at UTC time, uh, and then that time, which is in our system is T equals zero, that becomes the strike price for the for the next contract. Right. And that next contract will run for one hour, and then so if somebody uh, it, it wants to take a view on the market, does not uh, uh, care about needing to be precise, or does not have necessarily a view on volatility or or other aspects that could affect price. Uh, They'll take that position, uh, and then what happens is, is because of the parimutuel nature of the product, it'll it'll create a multiplier effect. So we don't we don't use leverage on the platform. Um, so what you end up getting is that if you are on the side of the market where uh, you're kind of fading sent a current sentiment for that time frame, um, you'll likely end up getting a, a multiplier because you are on the side that has uh, uh, less less money on it. Right. So, um, you know, to put it very plain vanilla, uh, if there was a uh, hundred thousand, uh, units in the pool and there was 80,000 saying higher, which would be moon in our, in our case, and 20,000 saying lower, which would be wrecked. And you were on wrecked, which is, uh, and it, and the contract expired wrecked, you're going to be paid, um, essentially a little less than four to one because they're, we're taking out a, a transaction. Mm-hmm. Would you agree or disagree that platforms like this, and I think you're going to agree, obviously, because you're obviously building it and that's why you built it, but I've been interested in platforms that are offering more derivative exposure because they make markets more efficient. And from traditional markets, obviously, you can obviously talk about that, but from a digital asset market, do you feel that platforms like this are really making the digital asset market more efficient? Without a doubt. Um, You know, I... We, we talk about this internally quite a bit. And, you know, our view is that volatility will continue to compress. Like what you're going to end up seeing as more as derivatives become more and more prominent within the space. And look, on a on an apples to apples basis to the legacy market, we're still, you know, we're still uh, tiny. But um, as it grows, you're you're going to see tighter and tighter markets because you're giving liquidity providers and traders a, another touch point in the market. So as more derivatives are um, are launched, it's just more touch points for people to price other markets against. And when you have those, those other markets to price against, the markets can be tighter. Um, just natural competition of, of bid-ask spreads will tighten. And you're going to get longer periods of, of, of lower volatility. And then these when you know when either somebody has an axe to grind or there is a, a significant um, news in the market that isn't already priced in, then you'll get those short-term jumps in volatility, mm-hmm. and the market will kind of um, become what it looked like back in the early days for you know, but in much shorter timeframes. And then 
the volatility will revert back to you know kind of some mean. So this leads me to my next question in terms of user growth. So from your Medium post, and again, I think this falls into that, volume on HXRO's flagship Moon Wrecked contracts grew by 267% from December to January. BTC Moon Wrecked grew by 317%. Additionally, we've registered, you guys have registered more than 14,000 new users to the platform over the December-January period. Again, that's 14,000 new users. So people talk about adoption and people talk about what's being used out there. 14,000 new users on the platform from December to January. What kind of customers are gravitating towards HXRO right now? Are they, from what you can tell, obviously you, you, there's certain criteria that have to be met. Are they coming from BitMEX? Are they finding, you know, place, are you finding people that were, you know, in the crypto gaming world? Are you finding people from traditional finance? Can you explain a little bit more about that growth? Sure. Uh, you know, first the, the growth in registered users and, and, and in turn in volume um, really was derived from, you know, what I would say two factors. One is we launched a, a an affiliate program that's been very successful thus far. Uh, and then also we opened up our public API, which um, gave uh, gave traders the ability who, you know, the ones who are able to, uh, to automate their, their trading on the platform and um, which allowed for more around the clock plays. So we're seeing much more consistent volume throughout the day. Um, the customer base also is kind of, I would say it really evolved with the evolution of the platform. We're very, very early on. I would say it was very crypto-centric user base that um, was kind of more focused on just kind of sniffing around the product and and the rush and excitement and kind of the the dopamine rush that it gave to be in this kind of shiny new object that was out there. And it was also at a time when, um, you know, we launched this. Bitcoin was trading, I think, like you know, around three or four thousand. So there, it was very quiet otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was an amazing time for us because it gave the platform a lot of good exposure early on and people were looking for something positive to kind of get involved with. And um, But, you know, as the product evolved and we started to introduce elements of the, the, the platform that uh, would kind of, you know, that kind of bring it much more to the realm of, of, a, of a derivatives exchange, although with unique uh, liquidity, um, the user base has definitely shifted to a much wider spectrum where on one end, there's traders who are totally new to the crypto markets. Um, they're accessing the platform and they're really taking advantage of, of our community, uh, which you know has a lot of very talented traders who have been willing to be very vocal. Um, and you know, we have some of our some of our best users are guys that were relatively new traders months ago and have really been able to utilize this style of trading. And then convert that because it allowed them, you know, taught them technical analysis. It got mm-hmm. them into discussions with more experienced traders, and um, they really were able to take advantage of some of the social aspects of the platform that uh, that then helped them. Now, you know, when when the markets start coming back and there's more activity uh, across the uh, across the entire crypto spectrum, they're they're able to trade it much more effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of traders that came in that way, which you know is great that it really served as an on-ramp to the market, both educationally and into crypto. Right. Uh, and then at the other end of the spectrum is much more sophisticated users who are tapping our API, who are very automated. Um, and then within that, I would bucket, you know, we are 
we're seeing a lot of growth from people who are very active in skilled gaming or in uh, poker. And, you know, in some of our leaderboards, you're seeing guys that are, you know, ex-professional poker players who have been in, you know, who've been involved in crypto for, you know, in different ways for years. And um, they're understanding how to derive edge out of uh, our unique products and our unique liquidity and, and really taking advantage of it. And, you know, we're, we're now using that as our platform for more exponential growth. And, you know, we're technically, we're doing a big overhaul of our entire uh, front end of our entire back end and tech stack um, to assure that we're going to deliver the best user experience um, for our users as we grow outside of the crypto bubble, which is really our focus in 2020. So let's talk about that because we didn't, I wanted to get to the growth because the growth has been tremendous. And obviously, as we've seen, the use of derivatives become, as I said, making the capital markets much more efficient within digital assets. Talk to us a little bit about under the hood, about how things actually work. You know, there we've had platforms on here that are proof of stake where the user has to obviously stake tokens, be able to have the network light up and work. We've had all sorts of different types of iterations around consensus algorithms and models. Briefly, tell us how, how it works, what's under the hood and how, you know, how does everything operate? Sure. So we, we do have a token, you know, that uh, the token HXRO that uh, is a utility token on the platform. Um, it's used for everything from from trading, like the, the predominance of our trading uh, on the platform is done using hero tokens. Um, we also do offer it in, in, in Bitcoin as well. Uh, and then we are building some technologies that we'll be launching uh, soon that will allow us to list uh, many more tokens for use on the platform as well. The the underlying nature of the platform is very much like a, you know, like a, a, a classic exchange as, you know, you'd see with like Binance or BitMEX or, or anybody else, um, except again, that the, the mechanics of the products are different. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the token uh, used for trading, it's used for uh, fees on the platform. And then one aspect, which, you know, kind of is where we really cross between finance and social games is in our rewards and incentives programs, which we're focusing, uh, putting a lot of effort in uh, this year and um, going to see in the next couple of months some more announcements coming out about second and third phases of our rewards program. And that really, at the end of the day, is, is, a, is a huge part to our platform. Um, we're, we're, it's not that we're necessarily reinventing the wheel. We're bringing in some concepts from from legacy exchanges that have proven successful um, through liquidity building and through incentivizing users for positive contributions to, to our network, different ways of strengthening our network. And we think of an exchange and the different ways of, of how you strengthen that network, you strengthen it through, um, through your activity and through volume, um, through being a, a positive contribution to the platform socially uh, and we we are rewarding our user base through um, you know what wound up being a very lucrative uh, um, incentive and rewards plan uh, through things like incentive tiered rebates and um, uh, transaction rewards mm-hmm. uh, um, much more uh, you know they're gonna be um, they're gonna be rewarded for social contribution. Mm-hmm. And so the 
the idea is that um, as we grow our community and as they become more active on the platform, um, they're using the token for ultimately for different ways to strengthen, further strengthen the network. One other one other aspect uh, is a you know through a liquidity provider pool program that uh, we're launching, which is um, you know a different way of kind of actively staking uh, uh, tokens, which will offer users the ability to um, to participate in in liquidity providing on uh, future products that we're going to be launching. Uh, and it, what we're ultimately doing is taking one from the, the legacy exchange markets, which is really, um, you know, if you think about the CME or, or other, uh, other, other exchanges, there was the concept of, of seed ownership. Mm-hmm. And, and if you were, if you came to that platform, if you came to that exchange, just as a regular customer, you know, you're, you're generally doing it through an FCM and you're paying, you know, would end up being somewhat exorbitant uh, rates to transact on those uh, in those markets. But if you were a seed owner, um, or in the case of the CME, if you owned, a, you know, multiple seats and shares, you, you now kind of open the door up to, you know, to very, very uh, uh, significant discounts on trading fees. Mm-hmm. Um, it introduced you to various incentives programs and you know when a lot of the liquidity that you're seeing run through those platforms and why why those exchanges are so deep in liquidity is they're giving the ability to to large firms to really um, transact uh, um, where to the point where their markets can be much tighter and much more liquid and still be able to turn a profit without you know basically getting churned in fees. So I want to make sure that people understand that metaphor basically as you're saying is that it's almost akin to having a seat at the board of an exchange. If you, yes, if you if you are um, at the the tiering level that it requires on our platform then it is very much akin to that. But even if you're not, even if you're at a lower level and you're somebody that is holding, you know, a thousand hero in your in your wallet or 5000 some small balance you still are being entitled to um, to significant rebates for your uh for your your trading on the platform and um that ultimately makes somebody you know over time much more profitable it's small amounts but it adds up significantly right okay that's good we like those metaphors and so when do you notice the platform is most active as anyone who watches for instance the bitcoin market on spot you'll see in the u.s you know around six o'clock seven o'clock you know kind of dips off and then asia picks it up and then china obviously has been very active and then so you see a spike up in, in activity that's been the usual kind of pattern that i've seen over the last few years but as it relates to this when do you see most of the activity and what do you think the the rationale is behind that yeah i, I- you know, it, it's it's very similar to what to what you're saying, and you know, into you know, and other exchanges, and kind of the volume kind of moves with the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if we're at, during some periods, like uh, you know, if it's uh, ten o'clock in in North in North America or in Latin America, you know, in South America, in the morning, you're you're generally seeing you know uh, more activity kind of pick up around there, and then again. Um, near the the end of the end of the trading day which is you know kind of the end of the evening in Europe and and then early in the morning in Asia pack um so it, it you kind of get the same kind of ups and downs in terms of in terms of volume and then and then just users on platform 
um, tends to go up around those periods as well. And then, um, but, you know, unique for us is that we're not, we're a lot more uncorrelated, especially in our, in these core parent neutral products. And, and that'll change as our, as our product set changes over time. But in our core products, you don't, you don't really see, you know, we, we see much more consistency and, um, and you actually see like kind of a net shift um, during periods of, of more uh, uh, kind of normal volatility mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I think in, when you take like a market, like, uh, like a perp swap, like on BitMEX or, or Deribit or something that when volatility um, goes out and it, it goes bid, you see a significant uptick in transaction activity. And that, that's really the nature of of the of the dual auction market that are run on those platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just swings are getting wider, and and uh, market maker activity, transaction activity goes to the roof. On ours, it because of just the this unique nature, we we tend to be more consistent. We don't quite get the spike tied to volatility; you get it spiked more um, around the time of day. Right. But it, but it ends up being consistent. So in periods of low volatility, we're doing just as much volume than, and if not more, because people tend to get comfortable in ranges and kind of in, you know, for, for uh, products like ours, where you can really, um, really get ahead in terms of profitability, where in at a standard dual auction market and a perp swap, you really are going to profit the most when there's high periods of volatility. Got it. So if you could just a little bit, cause we just had uh, Sam from FTX on the other day and everyone has been listening to that. If there's any differentiating factors to some of the newer exchanges that are popping up that are also doing these things like these exotic, you know, kind of Trump tokens, Bloomberg tokens, is there any differentiating factors as people are kind of getting aware of some of these newer platforms, as I said, that are making the markets more capital efficient? Yeah, sure. I mean, in terms of a value proposition, definitely. You know, I, I, first of all, I, I think Sam and FTX have done an exceptional job in how quickly they've they've scaled uh, the platform, and, and I totally get their strategy. Um, you know, Sam came from a market making background. It, the, that platform creates a, a big touch point for liquidity for them as a you know for Alameda, and and um, it, it offer it offers a very unique product set, which is amazing. You know, our our liquidity is, is unique. Like I think first and foremost, just establishing ourselves in the, in the exchange space um, as a, a core product that is, that is paramutual, which, you know, first and foremost, it, it allows our market to be very much peer to peer. There's no interacting with the market maker. You don't have traditional bid ask order books. Um, you're not, you're not worried. You're no longer worried about, you know, is my, is my order going to get filled? Um, if I launch a market order, is liquidity going to evaporate? Um, so you don't have phantom liquidity issues. Uh, you're not facing off against a very sophisticated, deep-pocketed market maker. Um, it's purely peer versus peer. Oh, and and also, which something in crypto is very common, is we don't have the concept of stop orders. You don't need a stop. You, you know, it's it's a it's a cash or nothing digital, uh, and you put your position on, um, and it either, you know, it either you're either on the in the money or you're out of the money, and you do that, you know, time and time again. 
So much more simple in terms of how it's approached. Uh, I think secondly is, um, you know, we, we are focusing heavy heavily on uh, our social presence, really making the platform a more holistic experience for the trader where it's not just about the exchange. Um, it, it is about education, um, really uh, doing a lot more in the way of handholding with first-time user experience. Um, and again, taking a lot of elements from the social gaming space, social game space, and applying it um, not so much as um, as ways to be, you know, like with competitions and things like that, which is like what I think a lot of uh, a lot of platforms have have done, is much more in kind of the the second and third order um, layers of social games and and just some of those unique ways of creating an overall better user experience. And then um, in terms of our product set and offering, I you know. We we have a we have a very uh, focused roadmap for for 2020, and um, I, I don't really want to go too much into what we're going to be launching, but I can tell you that it's uh, that it's exceptionally exciting for us, and and the the foundation that we've built for the platform thus far is really um, we're really set up to 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 make a significant press forward here. And so, as we think about. 2020 and some of the milestones you said some of the things that you guys are working towards anything that we can kind of look forward to in terms of future products that are coming to market this year or maybe next yeah i i think you know both horizontally in terms of the the underlying indices that we're launching is going to be you know very exciting for users um some of the technology that we're that we're putting into the back end to allow a wider uh a wider expansion of of the tokens that we list uh, that can be used on the platform um, and, you know, and then just the unique product types that, that we're launching, um, that really, you know, it, it's not, it's not as, it's definitely not as easy for us because it's not like we're, we're just repeating a perp swap, um, which is something that, you know, a lot of exchanges already kind of have their, been able to hang their hat on. And so we're t- taking a different route, like a little more circuitous of a route and, um, really thinking through unique products and and ways to make it easier and more exciting and more ultimately more fun for for a new user and then also for a more sophisticated user um, that they're going to see this again as a different liquidity touch point and potentially will provide them with an edge in their overall uh, trading book so yeah I, I don't want to go too much into the the actual products that we're launching but um, I, I can tell you is that uh, you know for for our platform I I probably theoretically um, am the am the the ideal user, even though I don't use the platform. But just from my background and just from being a trader and whatnot, um, so I I know that I'm extremely excited about it. And um, the things that we pushed out thus far, we've gotten very good validation from the market on. So uh, very confident that uh, everyone's going to like what they're going to see. Awesome. So one of the other things that we'd like to do with guests as we have them on is get to know a little bit about them personally. And the two areas that we'd like to think about uh, and ask is, what have you been reading lately? Anything uh, at all? It can be books. It can be articles. Hopefully it's not just crypto-focused. And any music that you listen to. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Fortunately, my, my reading time has been, has been low lately. Um, I actually have gone back and... Um, uh, reading uh, when G- genius failed, 
uh, about the uh, dramatic rise and fall of long-term capital management, um, okay. which is something I've, I've, I have read before, but I, I like to go back to it often. Um, it just is a constant reminder of, of uh, some of the, the baseline uh, business lessons, and especially when you're in trading, of um, you know how to stay focused and how to stay humble ultimately. And uh, so I'm reading that, and then in terms of music, uh, you know, it, it depends on my mood. I I grew up, uh, you know, very much into heavy metal, <laughs> and uh, okay. that's you know, as I've gotten older uh, and have a family, and it's it's evolved and. Um, I can't necessarily keep that uh, blaring in my house anymore. <laughs> um, so, it, and I think just as I've gotten a little older, it's um, I, I've definitely gone uh, a little more mainstream. And um, but once in a while, like I just had uh, uh, one of my colleagues in from out of town, and he actually uh, is a is a bassist in a speed metal band, <laughs> and um, in his personal life. And so uh, we had a we had a good time in my car for a couple hours just uh blaring all the uh the old uh metal grates and so you know whenever whenever i can get metallica or slayer in my uh in my uh in my queue it's exciting so <laughs> awesome that's why we asked the question and so as we wind down where can people find out more about hxro how can they get involved again with the stipulation this is for folks that are outside the United States currently right now. So please just remember that, but tell people where they can find out more, where they can take a look. Sure. So uh, yes, provided that you are in a a, a jurisdiction that uh, you're able to do it, otherwise you'll end up getting blocked by the, by the platform. You can go to Uh, hxro.io. Definitely a lot of information. That is the the main uh, site for the platform. And then uh, on Twitter, you can go to at real, Hero, which is H- you know, R-E-A-L, H-X-R-O. Uh, those are really the two best places. And then, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of information uh, on across other social media channels, uh, YouTube and others. And I would say in the next couple months, definitely look out for, for a lot more by ways of tutorials, um, you know, definitely doing uh, podcasts with great podcasts like yours, David. And um, you. you're going to be able to... Uh, definitely hear uh, in, in real time about all the goings on we have in the platform. And um, we do have an exciting launch of Hero 2.0 coming next month, which um, is going to be much more interactive for, uh, you know, for our entire community and for anybody that wishes to come to the platform. Awesome. This was Dan Gunsberg, the CEO and co-founder of HXRO. As I said, there was a lot here to unpack, and a lot of people within digital assets have been looking at this platform as fairly revolutionary. I love the gamification idea of it because at the end of the day, why can't we play games and also make some money and learn how this all works? I think that's a fantastic idea. So thank you, Dan, for coming on. We'll have you on hopefully at the end of the year and see how things are progressing. Take care. Thank you, David. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash baselayer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on Baselayer, let us know. 
subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter, Arca at Arca, or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know, and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space in the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, marketing commentary, videos, and more.